This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 641 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, Total Saddle Fit, and the Murdoch Method. Today, we are celebrating the Thoroughbred Horse, and we'll recap the Thoroughbred Makeover organized by the Retired Race Horse Project. We have competitors Allison O'Dwyer and Rosie Napravnik. After that, we've got Wendy Murdoch, fresh off her trip from Africa, and then later on, we have a trainer tip with Nancy Later. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Reese. I'm a little tired because we have uh, we have the saddle fitting day, and that's kind of a, oh, a big, yeah. you know, long project of, you know, not not really riding a whole lot, but, uh, yeah. you know, just figuring <laughs> out what the horses okay. need and, yeah, and, and, and you know, just, just, uh, Assessing the horses, assessing their their saddles and their tack and all that great stuff. So, um, it's one of those things that needed to get done, and so yep. uh, I'm just a, you know pretty pretty glad that it pretty, that, yeah. that it's done and the saddles are all, that box. all adjusted and and now we're ready to go to go on with more training. I love it. Yeah, normally people are like, "What's the schedule for saddle fit?" And my response is, "Get a cup of coffee and be ready to hang out." Just be ready <laughs> right. to hang out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because sometimes it takes. It's quick and other times it takes forever. It's just, it, you just have to sort of become one with the day and one <laughs> go, with, go with the flow. schedule. Yeah, yeah, go with the flow. Like normally You're I'm not, not going to get a whole lot done. And it's nope. Just, <laughs> can't rush yeah, it. it. Cannot rush it. You just have to go with it. And um, yeah, that's the thing. We have, we have bit fitting next week, uh, which is also, it's a, it's a cool day. Uh, but you're not really going to get much done that day. You know, some of the horses that aren't fitting, we lunge them or ride them or whatever. But in general, we uh, th- there's a lot of of fitting going on. It just takes some time. But that's exciting. And like you said, it's something that has to get done, you know, usually twice a year. So it's just the day you got to be ready for. So I, I get it. I'm going to feel the same way next week, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. what have you been, I mean, we've been off for a couple of weeks. What have you been up to? I know. Well, um, you know, again, fall here is quite a busy time. I actually, last week we had a big event at the horse park and uh, I scribed for half a day, almost a full day. And I love to scribe. I I don't always, obviously don't have time. And this happens to be on a Thursday. So uh, I always say that's when I get my volunteer hours, but I like it because it's such a good day to just sit back and listen to what the judge says. And it's just a Again, a good reminder of the differences of what judges are looking for versus training. You know, um, training, you can say, oh, that was a better transition. Uh, but a judge is going to say, <laughs> resistant above the bit, not through. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Like, always, just- always going to be, a, you know, on the critical side of things. But um, hopefully you're taking it as constructive criticism and, uh, yes. and not as a personal affront to your riding or, or oh. your horse. And, yeah, and uh, we've me, always just- talked about it. You know, you, you yeah. have to. You have to um, appreciate that the, the judge can only judge what what they're seeing in front of them, and not they don't have a history on the horse when your horse shows up, or yeah. they don't know that 
you know, you have just had a terrible warm up or you're been running a little late all day or, or whatever. They're just, you know, they're just capturing a moment in time and, and giving mm-hmm. you hopefully constructive criticism and, uh, and you got to take it for what it is and, uh, you know, discuss it with your coach and, and, uh, and take the good marks for what they are and the bad marks yeah. for what you need to improve. And I think for me, I always had the trainer hat on or a lot of times had the trainer hat on, but to go in and sit and, you know, you really do notice the little things like the hair that's a mess or the tack that's not cleaned or you really do notice that like that really comes into play just of the overall picture. But it's also just remembering that, yeah, the judge is, it's, it's capturing one moment and they're not necessarily, they're not being mean. They're just literally commenting on that moment. And it's just a good reminder that there is a bit difference in, in for a trainer, right? A trainer hat versus judging hat. And as we, we are, you know, still kind of getting ready for competitions and shows. So doing that is good, just a good reminder. So that's kind of where I'm going with all that for, for as you're getting ready for your fall competitions and uh, regionals are over, but nationals are here in a few weeks. Um, but it's also not a bad thing to every once in a while put the judge's hat on, you know, for the trainer and and go forward that way with with students. I think that's a really good thing to do um, because it is a different hat and it's a different thing. So sometimes maybe say to your trainer, like, what would that score be if you were judging it? You know, how can I make it from a six to a seven or a seven to an eight? Because that was a lot of the difference in the scores were tenths of a point. So that was really good for them to to see that. So um, so it was a good it was a good day. I enjoyed it. Um, it has helped me kind of going back and forth with all the transitions that I'm writing and sort of all the low hanging fruit. You know, I, I've been really picky with all the horses this week on that and and straight center lines and just things like that where. Um, it's really good to practice that too. So that does those little things don't get away from you. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think we have a bit of a, a longer show. We, we have some great conversations with uh, with thoroughbred trainers, which is always something a little n- near and dear to my heart because the first horse I ever showed was uh, was a thoroughbred off the track. So yeah, you know, I, yeah. I love my thoroughbreds. I you know, I teach I teach a lot of people who. Um, you know, that's what they're riding. And, and so, and with the venters and with, you know, being in Kentucky, I know you have a lot of experience yeah. with that. So, uh, um, yeah, you know, no, I'm excited. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. These next two are our two guests, Allison O'Dwyer and Rosie Napravnik. Um, they're students of mine and they're going to talk a little bit about their journey with their thoroughbreds. So we're going to stop uh, quickly for a break from Kentucky Performance Products and we'll come back with Allison O'Dwyer. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium-to-phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. 
And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, today it is my pleasure to have Allison O'Dwyer on the line. She is just or has just won the Retired Racehorse Project Dressage Division, which was huge. Allison, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you have, you reminded me, you came on because you are a three-time winner of this competition and you came on after your, your first win uh, and this was your third win. So tell us a little bit about what it feels like to be a three-peater. That's amazing. Well, uh, definitely glad to be back on the show and have a reason to be here. You know, it was very nice, but, uh, well, it was a lot of pressure going in. Obviously, I felt like I kind of had a, a name to uphold, you know, you would say. But I put most of that pressure on myself. And uh, so I can't have no one else to blame. But it feels good. I mean, it feels like a huge accomplishment. And I, I said, you know, to somebody recently, and it made a lot of sense that it was it was fun to have that much pressure and stress, but be able to overcome it, you know, from a kind of sports psychology standpoint. It was cool to, you know, have, you know, to feel that determination, but not let it um, totally (laughs) get to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I've heard I've heard it described as being um, grateful to to be in a pressure situation. Right. You know, pressure means that, you know, you're there with an opportunity to do something great. And, uh, you know, that's it, 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 sometimes that's, I, I think you kind of describe it this way is that like, it's, it's nice to be in that situation because it takes a lot to, to even get there or to even, you know, have these opportunities to, uh, to ride in these situations where, where, where you can have and, and have obviously in, in the past, uh, some, some success. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. You're definitely right. You know, it takes, it takes a lot to get there and like it is a it's an amazing opportunity and yeah there's some luck obviously that comes with it and uh in order to uh to be there yeah you you feel very fortunate and uh, it was nice it was nice to go in like you said with that pressure because i knew i had a horse that was capable and if i didn't if you know if i didn't have a horse that was capable i would have said ah well you know this is a schooling opportunity you know so Mm -hmm. No, it's true. So tell us about Kubo, your your partner this year, because he's quite a cool guy. Yeah, he is. He he was interesting. You know, I think he definitely once again proved to me that, you know, all these horses are such individuals. You know, I, I got him and in certain ways he reminded me of, you know, another horse, but for the most part he was very unique and um he uh, raced in Louisiana, but he was brought up to Kentucky to be resold and rehomed. Um, and I was just scouring the internet, like a crazy person trying to find my horse because I was horseless and I had had my baby, but I was ready to get riding again and have something to put my energy towards, I guess, cause a, a newborn wasn't enough for me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I finally, you know, just, I've learned to trust my instincts and my gut and I saw a picture of him and I said, Whoa, that horse looks 
really nice, you know, and uh, I was lucky enough to have somebody in Kentucky, Jen O'Neill, to go look at him in person and just make sure there wasn't any like noticeable flaws. And when she gave me the green light, I um, got a shipper and brought him to Maryland. So Allie, what, what was it about him? I mean, that's the thing is your gut, but what, what did you like about him as you were picking him for a competition horse? Um, you know, I go a lot off of like, uh, confirmation cues. Um, just, I liked that he seemed like mostly uphill balance, but definitely like a big shoulder with a well tied in neck and, you know, n- good angles behind, you know, he wasn't straight necessarily or anything like that behind. He had good angles and seemed to have good feet. And I, I, I pay a lot of attention to like shoulder and, you know, neck set and hip angles. And I just have a type in that way that I, that I like. And there was just, you know, something about him. Like I said, confirmationally, that was like, that thing's going to be, it's going to be nice. It's going to be a good mover. I mean, just the way that he was built, I said, there's really no way that he's It'd be very highly unlikely that he wouldn't be a good mover. Now, I didn't know anything about him personality-wise, but, um, you know, so much of that can develop as they come off the track that I try to not even, I don't even ask too many questions about their temperament on the racetrack because I've just learned from getting so many horses that, you know, a really tough horse on the track can come to a farm and be an absolute puppy dog. Um, and I didn't even, I didn't read into his, uh, pedigree much. I, I don't actually pay much attention to their pedigrees because I feel like there's so many of them that they can, they can differ a lot. So yes, he does have storm cat in the back of his line, but it, it doesn't, that's not something that would bother me. Who, who doesn't these days anyways? Yeah. Right. Fair. Storm cat yeah. bred a lot of horses. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about the thoroughbred pedigree. Like, you know, somebody will he'll say, they'll say, oh, you know, such and such sire is always has pretty babies. Well, I can definitely show you one that's not pretty. And the same <laughs> thing goes with soundness and temperament, you know, storm cats are all crazy. Like, well, that's not true. Like I can show you one that's not crazy. So I, uh, like I said, I just don't worry about pedigree, but it was really his confirmation that I said, okay, I can work with that. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Um, so this year it was a little bit different because they were holding two years worth of retired racehorse project finals. You know, what what was that like? Your horse is a twenty twenty one, yes, or or twenty twenty. Yeah, we're twenty twenty one, so we only had the the one year to work, and um, it was interesting. It didn't really affect, I think, either too much. Um, there was definitely one point when I uh, just happened to be near the dressage complex the day after my ride, and I saw a horse going really, really well. And I was like, oh man, that horse looks really nice. I wonder, I'm hoping, you know, you cross your fingers. Oh, I hope that's a 2020 horse. You know, I, I hope that's not in my division. And sure enough, that specific horse wasn't, but I, I think some of the 2020 horses, they had some further development in their training, but for the most part, I think people were surprised how on par. I think the 2021 horses in my division really stepped up their game and offered a lot more than maybe a typical year. So I'd say that, um, you know, I felt like the divisions together were, weren't that different, if that makes sense, even though one had a whole year, but it was also 2020. So it really wasn't a whole year because a lot of those people weren't able to compete or do much. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and tell us with, with Kubo, I mean, he, he, one of the things that I love about the retired racehorse project is truly to do well 
there and be ready to handle the horse park and the environment of a thousand horses or how and there's a lot of horses the horses have to be all basically all over the park um they have to go in and do uh, work in the stadium the rolex stadium the big one and then if you make the finals you have to go into a covered arena like it's it's a lot of movement around the horse park so in my opinion to to do well you really have to prepare your horse by taking them out and going and doing field trips. And, but how do you prepare your horses to, to get ready for this show? Oh yeah. I mean, no doubt you got to, got to get them out because the horse park is intense. And, you know, now that I am in Maryland and not Kentucky, you know, it's a little bit harder. I was actually in Maryland racking my brain, like, you know, what can I do that would show him that venue? And I, and I did get him to a schooling show at Morven, but it was just, schooling show and like it didn't have the people and the trailers and you know it didn't have anything like what I knew he was going to see at the horse park and now I did take him to a, a couple schooling shows before and I could tell quite quickly atmosphere was not going to be a problem as much with this horse I knew you know I was really surprised how well he traveled everywhere but at the same time I didn't feel like he was fully tested yet either because um, you know if I had taken him to the first podunk little podunk's not very nice, but the small farm shows and he was rough and he was, you know, not, not, not able to compete. I would have gone, okay, we have a problem. I need to get him out a ton more, but instead I took him to the small farm shows and he was, I mean, he was every bit as quiet as he is at home. And so I said, okay, this is good. You know, I don't have to necessarily rush and go crazy trying to take you everywhere because I have a young child and it's going to be really difficult for me to do so, honestly. But at the same sense, like I knew he wasn't fully tested because he hadn't seen anything on the same level as the horse park. So what I actually did is, you know, since I didn't compete at all in 2020 and only managed to get to like two schooling shows in t- this year, I uh, saved my money and I came out in September to the horse park as a schooling opportunity. We we found the USDF show at the Kentucky Horse Park in September, the month before. And I said, I know it's going to be expensive. It's going to be a lot of time and two trips on the horse. I said, but I think it'll be worth it. And it was mostly, honestly, to give me confidence in the journey, you know, confidence with traveling with my baby and just to get him on grounds to know how he would do. Um, so that that's what I did. And I think it was very beneficial, honestly, more for my sanity than his. I'm not sure he even needed it, but it definitely helped me be more confident going into October. Yeah, no, I love it. So tell us, you are a mommy of a new baby. And what has that been like? I mean, that's been a whole different planet. Oh, it is, it is. And I, I think that makes the win like even that much sweeter, you know, that I can still... But I can still do it. I'm I'm kind of on my own a little bit in Maryland compared to, you know, the support system I had in Kentucky. And so that was one thing to overcome initially, but then to also, you know, be responsible for another human being. It's it's nice to know that I still can do the things and I can still ride and I can, you know, still get things like that accomplished. But it's definitely been a challenge just with childcare, obviously, and everything is so spaced out here. So it's a lot harder for me to get to schooling shows and stuff because um, it can take a lot more time in the day just to um, get to one class. And then you're, you know, needing to get the nanny for longer. And um, unfortunately, with my husband's schedule, he's a racehorse trainer. He 
works weekends. You know, weekends are when all the big races are and weekends are also typically when, you know, childcare can be the hardest to find and weekends are also when horse shows are on. So uh, it was definitely a challenge, but it does make it um, everything very, very rewarding. And it gives, you know, I think it gave me a lot of confidence that I could still be competitive, like as a first year mom. So Allie, what is next? I mean, how do you, how do you follow up uh, a three-peat at this point? Oh my gosh. I know. I'm kind of afraid to enter again, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I had told everyone for a while that I was like, I'm going to take a break from the makeover. I have other goals and that, and that's definitely true. You know, I would, I'd like to, you know, try to pursue a little bit more like upper level, you know, things, you know, the, the problem is I get these greenies and I get them to the makeover and they're just, you know, suddenly rideable and fun. And then I sell them and then I start all over. So I'm kind of ready to not start all over. But that being said, I am um, trying to sell Kubo and find him a good home um, with somebody that is, you know, wanting to be competitive. And he uh, is a, a fantastic horse on the flat, obviously, but he also loves to jump. So I think he'll be happier in more of like an eventing home um, and he's competitive on the flat. So hopefully that's where, you know, he ends up. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. Like I said, I had said I was going to take a break from the makeover, but it's a bit of an addiction. I'm I'm driving, I'm driving home and I'm already kind of daydreaming about the next, the next one, but I might see if I can force myself into like competitive trail or something because like I said the pressure I was already a bit of a monster going into this one I don't know what it'll be like <laughs> going not. into ah, well <laughs> I try I've, I've grown up a little bit so I've calmed down some and the, the you know having a kid will calm you right down too sometimes but <laughs> um but uh yeah. So I guess it's, it's open-ended. I have my filly. I, I'd like to breed her. I'd, I'd eventually actually like to get, you know, a purpose bred dressage horse and see if I can, you know, have fun at some experience, you know, and doing some higher level dressage. That would be really fun. So we'll see, I guess I'm, I'm open-ended. I'm, I'm not shutting the door to doing another makeover, but in the same sense, like I really would like to kind of focus on some other goals as well. Well, I love it. Well, we will be following you on your journey. And uh, how can our listeners find you online if they want to find more information about you? Honestly, that's a that's a great question. Um, I'm very active on Facebook. It's kind of embarrassing as that sounds, but that's probably the best way to find me um, just under my personal name, Allison O'Dwyer. Um, I do have a business page that's a Keystone Combined Training and Sales. It's not been the most active since I've been here, but trying to, I am trying to get my, um, you know, small business in Maryland going a bit more. I I had my own kind of lesson and training business on a small scale in Kentucky. And, you know, I I do miss that. So I'd like to get more established here in Maryland, but yeah, I guess Facebook or if anyone's serious, uh, Reese, you're welcome to give out my cell phone number. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on and we look forward to having you again. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And uh, yeah, hopefully we will stay in touch. Get ready to turn heads with this beautifully styled, meticulously designed arena saddle crafted from European leather without sacrificing comfort for you or your horse. The classic elegance and unbeatable quality of Arena Saddles will take your seat to the next level in the dressage ring. Arena Saddles are known for their beauty, comfort, and practicality. 
You can't deny these stylish saddles have eye appeal, but you might be wondering, what makes an arena saddle so comfortable? Features like ultra soft seats and knee inserts, a perfectly balanced seat, customizable rider support, and extra protective cushioning to give your horse softness and freedom that make arena saddles the premier choice for any discerning rider. Priced at just $1,599, the Arena Dressage Saddle is the saddle for you. Visit arenasaddles.com to view the full range of saddles available and find a retailer near you. Well, tonight, I am so excited to have my friend Rosie Napravnik-Sharp on the line. She is an amazing horsewoman. She was one of the all-time winningest female jockeys. She's won the Oaks, the Kentucky Oaks twice, and so many, many more races. But I know her as a rider and trainer of sport horses. Rosie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Reese. I feel like you know me as like a struggling dressage rider. I, 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 I do. Uh, I Rosie, do, we're like, all struggling dressage riders. Yeah, you're not. So you're not here I am just where I should be. Yes, I do know you like that, but like, no, you are like an amazing, I've seen videos of you riding, galloping horse. You're, you're just, I, I want to say a bad word that is really cool. And that's what you are. You're amazing. And you have change disciplines, which is again, from riding racehorses to, I mean, you are so good on cross country and you have really, really a good seat and a good knowledge of horses. So we have met because I help you with your dressage, but you truly are an amazing rider. And, and so tell us what it's been like to change careers. I mean, that's huge. Well, so I've switched disciplines from racing back to eventing, but I've switched back. So I actually grew up eventing uh, when I was very little. And I jokingly said for many years, like, I became a jockey because of dressage. So my mom was actually, (laughs) yeah, uh, I had to switch my mindset in that so that I could actually come back and do dressage, but that's a whole nother story. We can get to that later. But my, yeah, my mother, uh, was an eventing coach is an eventing coach and, um, taught pony club and I went through pony club. And so, I mean, it would have been very likely for me to become an event rider except for dressage. I was young and I was just like, didn't have the discipline for it. Didn't have the patience for it. Didn't have the dedication to it. So I found the need for speed early, got into racing through pony racing when I was seven and, uh, you know, 15 years later, okay, let's say 20 years later, after I got into the pony racing, I went back to eventing and dressage became like the ultimate challenge that I must conquer. (laughs) 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 That's where you come in, Reese. So you can help me with that. Enter me. <laughs> I get it. I get it. No, it's it, well, first of all, you are a very accomplished writer. And so, um, and, and you're very smart and analytical about your dressage. So you can tell that this is, this is something we are going to definitely conquer. And, and you also do a lot of uh, taking thoroughbreds from the track and, re, you know, rehoming them. So tell us a little bit about that part of your business. Yeah. So, um, uh, that's really all I do is repurpose thoroughbreds from the track. It's kind of, you know, it's just a natural passion for me. It's not something that, uh, like when I was a kid, that was not a big thing. I mean, my mother had an off-track thoroughbred that she got from God knows where when she was 14. 
And she still had it when I, you know, I think the horse passed away when I was like 13. So she had that horse like through my whole childhood that she had started in her childhood. But, you know, restarting off track thoroughbreds was not a big thing when I was a kid. And then as a jockey, like for some reason, like it was never a big idea for me. And I ended up getting, uh, following a racehorse that I rode and I won two races on him and he just became my favorite. He's beautiful. He's kind of famous. His name is Sugar. And uh, he's done all kinds of photo shoots with me and commercials and all kinds of crazy stuff. He's the super coolest guy. Um, And he was actually the first horse that I took to the training level of venting. Um, But he was kind of the one who started my passion for reach training. Because I, so I rode him in races and then I ended up actually claiming him um, to Hmm. retire him. And my mother restarted him for me just to a very, very low level. So I sent him, I was still riding at the time and I didn't have the time to do it myself or even, you know, see him all the time. So I sent him to my mom's barn and I said, just, you know, retrain him, use him for your students, compete him yourself, whatever you want to do, like that will benefit you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just want to come down like once a month and cross country school. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And I would, I would go down and, um, like, I could not believe the progress that he would make. And like the things that he would learn in between my visits. And so he was really, he and my mother doing the training were really, you know, the inspiration for me to end up doing this for a living in my own second career. And so I, I just, it's absolutely a passion. I mean, I feel like a, I'm one of the most fortunate people to, you know, have a career in racing that I was so passionate about. And then, you know, be able to come to the point where I was ready to leave that behind. And then I have a new passion. Like there are lots of people that have to figure out what they want to do when they grow up. And I feel like I've done that twice. <laughs> like I just all of a sudden knew what I was going to do. And um, so I feel very fortunate that way. I'm, you know, there's never been a question. And so I'm just literally having a blast doing what I'm doing. Um, I enjoy so much the first rides on the horses, the new, you know, fresh, uh, fresh start, uh, clean slate. Um, I love to watch them just, you know, catch on to things and learn new things. And they're so eager to please that it's so rewarding every single day. Well, that sounds, that sounds pretty nice. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> so uh, what is it about the thoroughbred that, that, you know, makes them so trainable? And then what are the challenges? So let, let's talk about the two sides of, of in, in general, the thoroughbred horse coming off yeah, the track. So the, you know, the thing that we all love about thoroughbred is, like I said, how eager they are to please. Also, how incredibly intelligent they are, which makes them trainable. and that aspect can kind of go into why they're so great and why they can be challenging. Sometimes they are so eager to please, they get frustrated with themselves when they don't understand things and they're so sensitive um, that they become challenging. So, but their sensitivity is also what makes such a great horse, um, especially for like the sport of eventing where you are, you know, you have so all the different phases and their, you know, their sensitivity can work to your advantage So, I mean, for me, it is the curiosity, the intelligence. They, it it seems like, I guess I relate to them 
because I like to just go out and do fun things. And the thoroughbreds seem to like really catch on to like, you know, they start out like, oh my God, everything is scary. Water is scary. Bridges are scary. Um, you know, anything around the farm is scary. The chicken coop is scary. Uh, you know, the dog is scary. The pig is scary. Um, and then all of a sudden they, they go through Reese, you haven't met the pig yet. I have not met the pig, but I, he's on Facebook. He's pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we had one horse that has serious problem with the pig, but now he's cool with it. Um, but anyway, they go through all these, like, oh my God, everything is so different and scary. And then all of a sudden they sort of realize that their life is really stimulating and fun. And that's what, like when you have a horse that comes off the track that was actually difficult to train on the track, like had a training vice, when you bring them off the track, sometimes they completely flip and are just the most sensible horse because they were just completely understimulated by turning left. And those are the things that just like fascinate me so much and just, you know, like kind of melts my heart when you see these horses see things from a different perspective and they're so they seem to be so grateful and appreciative and they they literally thrive on activity and um learning new things uh which is why it's so rewarding to work with them it becomes challenging like i said when you have a sensitive horse that overreacts to things and they really get worried when they're not right and so it takes being very grounded and not becoming ever emotional in the training process. And I really, I honestly, having, having kids uh, five and six years old uh, helps me because I always think of the thoroughbreds like, I mean, whether they're three or seven, if they're fresh off the track, they can sometimes be relatively similar um, in the fact of their fresh mind. Um, but I relate them to like a young child. So, you know, they have lots of energy and they're, you know, have short attention spans. And it's like when you're trying to teach them something, they haven't come into the arena saying, boy, I can't really, really can't wait to, you know, start learning things today or start doing flat work. And you have to sort of get them, you know, to partner up with you to to figure out what they're supposed to do. You know, when you have a child and they go to school, they don't necessarily in their in preschool or kindergarten. They don't necessarily go and say, oh, I can't wait to learn my math today. You know, they're just like bebopping around in their own world and have all this energy and don't really want to sit down for that long. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I kind of relate it to the young kids where it's like, oh, that, you know, let's try. That wasn't the right answer. Try something different. Try something different until you get the right answer. So when you have some a horse that's really sensitive, that becomes challenging. Um, but it's also so, so rewarding. Um, and I have a particularly challenging horse in my barn right now that. I like, you know, I just fall in love with them like they're a child and, you know, have like this super soft spot for them. Like they're just a misunderstood child. And so it can be so, so rewarding all the time. So tell us what makes this particular one challenging. Well, he's, uh, he's what you would call, most people would call like a hot horse. He's ultra sensitive. Um, he has a very heightened flight response so for example during his first hack out and a lot of times like their first ride off the track with me will be hacking out going through water like doing all of the scary things um and it's kind of like you know you ask them question after question and by the end they're like well she hasn't killed me yet like you know and they kind of 
you give them a, basically it's providing them with lots of opportunities right away to learn to trust you. So this horse was just very, very untrusting. And he was just the type that, you know, instead of stopping or spooking at something, I mean, he would literally spin and bolt in the other direction. So it's just like everything's exaggerated in, you know, the sensitivity of his brain um, and his flight response. Uh, but through like groundwork, you know, just getting him to really have trust for me um, is and seeing that de- trust develop is what is like so addicting when you get into training the thoroughbreds. And so then, you know, he's come around, he's really progressed. And then, you know, we take the step of like taking him off property and he just wants to melt down. So you have to almost start the process a little bit again. And then, you know, you have to represent that situation again, hoping it's not going to melt down, but you've gotten his trust more. So it's kind of just a process of how, you know, when figuring out when is a good time to ask a new question or, you know, see how well he'll handle a more stressful situation, even if it's just going to any other farm, not at a show or anything and riding at someone else's farm, like unfamiliarity, throwing that into his world because he's so guarded, you know, he's got to learn to kind of open up and trust me because I'm still there with him, you know, in this new situation. And we're just doing all the things we already know how to do. So, um, you know, just an old, and this horse is seven. So, you know, he's got at that point, you would kind of call it a little bit of baggage. Um, and he's a horse that I did, uh, talk to his racing connections, which happened to be a trainer that bred and raced him. So, um, and the reason I contacted them was because he had some gaps in his form that could, it could mean that he had some sort of long layoff, uh, due to an injury. So I just called them to explore, like, you know, is there any surgeries that I need to know about? Yada, yada. And they said, no, he's just a horse. You know, we thought about maybe running him on the turf. We owned him. We bred him. He's come to the farm and kind of just, um, you know, situational circumstances that, he had those lengthy times off. So, um, but they did say that he was always really hyper and he didn't ever have any bad experiences to, uh, to like cause this behavior. He was always really hot in the paddock, you know, didn't act well in the paddock, nervous. Um, so it all makes sense. And, you know, a lot of times a horse like that, you know, horses are, you know, kind of like people, everyone's born with a different personality and different tendencies. And, you know, some of them might just need a little bit more hand holding, like through the process of breaking, through the process of, you know, coming into the racetrack. And unfortunately, the racetrack is so fast paced that a horse like this horse, who's ultra sensitive, sometimes can end up just being dealt with because, you know, there's time constrictions to get the certain amount of horses out every day. And they just kind of fall through the cracks of being pushed through the motions without being guided emotionally. So that can just make for a really insecure horse, which is what I think I have with this horse. Got it. Got it. Well, Rosie, you, you mentioned your kiddos and it, if you're able to look at your Facebook page, you do the coolest gallop clinic for kiddos. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about it? Like it, it seems so cool for all the moms out there or trying to figure out what are they doing with their kiddos? If they want to ride, if they don't, like, how do you, how do you do that? So I grew up, you know, like I said, I started pony racing when I was seven and, you know, that was very, you know, natural for us because we grew up inventing. So we all obviously did lots of galloping. 
and we had, you know, space to gallop. We, we would go, you know, six farms over, uh, galloping, you know, just through the wilderness and, um, hay fields and, you know, farm to farm to farm. And I've just found like, as I've gotten back into like the equestrian world, aside from the racing world, and I was boarding my horse sugar that I was telling you about the, um, horse that I claimed and retrained. Um, I was boarding him and like, I realized I'm like, geez, like nobody has this kind of, you know, opportunity. Like we had when we were kids, like there's not always space to just go gallop. There's not always like even turnout on all these farms. You know, where are all the kids at these barns running around, you know, bareback with a halter and lead rope? Like, uh, you just don't see it as much as the way we grew up. And so I realized just how privileged we were to grow up that way. And I also, you know, this area, I've gotten into like the fox hunting community a little bit. And I just noticed like there's not a lot of kids out hunting. And so I just thought, also, there's no pony racing in Kentucky, which there's lots of pony racing on the East Coast where you find all the steeplechase racing and such. So I was like, man, I feel like there's a big absence of this, like, fun-loving, go-fast, play-hard kind of riding that we grew up with. Um, So um, in an effort to uh, raise interest for the pony racing, because we do have uh, pony races at High Hope Steeplechase, which has actually unfortunately canceled the past two years, but eventually we will have pony racing at High Hope. So we're trying to just spark a little bit more interest for that in the Kentucky community. So I started doing these clinics this summer um, to kind of like prepare some kids in the area for what pony racing is like. And it was a total blast. You know, we had, you know, I, one of the things in, in like my really small group, which my kids were in, you know, with the kids that were least experienced or, or youngest, you know, on the tiniest ponies. And we would gallop up this hill in this decently small paddock. (laughs) And, you know, I would be like, okay, who went faster than they've ever gone before? You know, and like (laughs) one kid raise their hand and I'd be like, okay, well, do you want to go? Did you like it? You know? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, do you want to go faster? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's go faster. You know, <laughs> so just kind of, you know, with, with also implementing, like we always start out the clinic, um, you know, like in the indoor or in a very controlled group and make sure everybody feels in control of their pony. And then we like have the fun. It's like, all right, well now we have all this control and we can just go and play and have fun and like go gallop, like get it out. Like everybody just, you know, go crazy, but we have control doing it. And so I found for, for these kids that don't have that experience, getting them the confidence of having control of their pony is, you know, the number one thing. And then they're confident to do something with it. So, um, you know, even my sister, Jazz, Jazz Napravnik, she's in Maryland. She also trains off track thoroughbreds and she is a life coach. And so she works a lot with mindsets. And so from Jazz, I've learned a lot about that. So it's like, you know, it's kind of working with a little bit of the mindset coaching was like, Hey, I have control of my pony. And they're like, you know, light bulbs going off like, Oh yeah, I do have control of my pony. Look what I just did. And, you know, they feel really accomplished and really good about themselves. And it was just so cool to have a bunch of kids from, you know, the barns surrounding to come and, and really want to get into it. And I'm so disappointed we didn't get to have the races, but next year I'd love to start the clinics in the spring. So we have, 
Um, and we also have other ideas of where to have pony races. So I'm hoping it will come become somewhat of a circuit at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's re- really neat. And, you know, it's somewhat of a cultural thing, because like you said, there's hardly any kids who hunt. But if you go to England, you know, the the kids are all hunting and, you know, we, you want you want to keep your children safe. But, then you know, you know, at, at home, I was I was backing horses. I was riding everything at like 10 years old. And that, that was nothing to to my parents who come from England. And and they're just like, well, that's what kids do. And, and kids fall off and kids get up and, you know, and, and all of that thing. And I think that sometimes, you know, parents of kids who ride sort of um, try to bubble wrap them a bit too much. And then and then the kids become very nervous or, you know, what happens when I fall off? Well, when I was a kid, you fall off like twice a day. I, it, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. It didn't, yeah, it didn't really exactly. hurt. So, yeah. And, then, and you know, I can think of some adults who I would love to just stick on a pony and say, go gallop. And, and you know, you're fine. You know, and, and, and again, it's I think you were speaking to, you know, the empowerment of you know, being a little bit scared, but also at the end coming through it and and feeling fine and and safe and 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 kind of just having more fun with you know recent I deal with a lot of people who have um, trust issues and safety issues and and you know that's a mental problem, not not necessarily a physical problem. Where we try to encourage them to you know come out of their shell and and, and all of those things. And I think uh, I think you know at kids we don't need to impart. I mean, everybody should be safe, but we don't need to impart the fear of something happening, you know, because, well, it's life and, and stuff happens and, and you're going to be fine. And we could always encourage more more kids to ride and more kids to have Absolutely. fun, you know, with yeah. horses and in a safe way. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's all about enjoying the horse, like genuinely enjoying the horse. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, the kids that have the opportunity to ride are put into a show barn and then automatically put into competition. And I mean, i been felt like I've been competitive since I was four years old. So I completely understand that. And we get a little bit addicted to that, but to be able to have just that fun, loving riding is so important. And at my clinics, my parent, the parents were really receptive, like so receptive, like, Oh my God, my child has never been so confident, you know, had so much fun, like just the look on their face, the smiles on their faces. And we did have, um, a couple of kids fall off at each clinic. One of them being um, one of the tinier kids uh, who's only five. And um, his mom said to me, you know what? It was the best thing that ever happened to him because he realized that he had to have a little self-preservation and take control of his pony. And so, um, and you know, like we've got these kids like cantering up a hill, like doing things at each level that kind of set you up for success but you know things happen and like you said we fall off twice a day as a kid and so you know one of like with the older kids it's like okay let's think about you know if somebody gets scared when they're riding their pony whether it's at a galloping clinic or whatever situation you're in and you know i'll say to them i'll be like okay what is the worst thing that could happen well i could fall off and then what and they're kind of like stare blankly like well i don't know it's like And then you get back up and you get back on, you know? And then I say to them, it's like, what's the best thing that could happen if you jump this jump, if you gallop along this fence line, if you, whatever, gallop up this hill, what's the best thing that could happen? What if it was the most fun you've ever had and you realize how confident you are on your pony and how much control you have? 
and you've had the most fun of your life. And then it opens you up to so many opportunities of other things you can do. And like just getting the kids to think of, well, wait a minute, what's the best thing that could come of this? As opposed to always thinking about what's the worst thing. And sometimes what's the worst thing isn't really all that bad. So it's been really fun uh, having the kids. And of course, my kids fall off. Like my husband actually makes fun of me because my kids have fallen off so much. Like when they were tiny babies, like I'd be walking next to them. And, you know, Tucker's got like this amazing seat when he's like 18 months old and I'm walking next to him and I'm feeling like so proud. And then the pony shakes and the kid falls off the other side and I like can't catch him. And Joe's like, he's like, literally, you cannot keep the child on the pony. Like, (laughs) How can they fall off this much already? But, you know, now they're not that scared of falling off. So I guess it's okay. I don't know. It's I, <laughs> I parenting is so freaking hard. And then when you throw like the parent, child, student, coach aspect into it, it's like makes it even worse, but Hey, I don't know. We're, we're all still here so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, Rosie, we can't thank you for all of your wisdom tonight. It's been so fun to chat with you and hear your story and hear mom and retraining horses. I mean, you really do it all. And you do have a menagerie at your farm. I love it when I come there. It's so fun. <laughs> but, you will um, definitely meet Piglet when you come next time. I can't wait to be. I'll put everybody. I will put pictures on the, on the Facebook page just so everybody can see Piglet. And I'm really looking forward to you coming again, Reese, because I have to tell you, I actually sat the trot today on Mo and I'm very excited about it. That's a huge deal. It's really hard to do it. It is very hard. And my well, I lo- really hurt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is high-fiving right now and can if it makes you feel better, I my abs hurt from setting the trot yesterday. So it, it happens to Yay! all of us. <laughs> We're all so, we're all humans. Rosie, how can everybody find you online if they have any questions or want to know more about your business? Well, unfortunately, I'm super like not technical and I should improve on that. Like, I feel like I don't, I'm not properly in my generation. I should be further along. But anyway, um, I have uh, my, my personal Facebook is private, but I do have a business page called Rosie Napravnik Off Track Thoroughbreds. Um, and so you can message me through that, uh, that page. Um, also my website is rosieofftrack.com and, um, you can get in touch with me through email, which is on the website, um, or the Facebook page. Um, I post a lot on Facebook, uh, and I should get better at posting on, I have Instagram, I have Twitter, but I am mostly Facebooky. I try to get into these other social medias and there's just so much, but anyway, Facebook is usually the way to go. And you can pop over to the website too. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Rosie. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm April. And I am Laura. And we are the hosts of the Rain in Your Herd podcast. Where we help with building an online presence for your equine business. So this can include online marketing, social media, blogs, YouTube, online memberships, courses, Facebook ads, and websites. We give you the tips you need to dive in on these subjects and also interview other equine business owners who are doing it well. We have a lot of fun doing it. So we hope to see you over on Reigning Your Herd. 
Well, we are so excited to have Wendy Murdoch, one of our favorite monthly guests, back on the show. Wendy, welcome back to America. Jumbo. That's how you oh say hello gosh. in Swahili. It's so amazing. <laughs> Tell everybody what you were doing because I, I just can't wait to hear. I've been waiting for this interview because I'm pumped to hear how it went. Jumbo. Reese, how are you? We're great. We're so glad you're back from Africa. I've been waiting, waiting for this interview. Tell us all about your trip. First of all, intro what you were doing uh, and then tell us about your trip because everybody that listens, we know you went. We're so excited. Yep. So by the way, Jumbo means hello. It's what you say, whether it's hello, goodbye. Uh, uh, um, Jumbo to your pillow means good night's sleep. <laughs> um, so it's the one Swahili word I really have the hang of. Um, so what I was doing was I was in Kenya and I had two groups back to back. So I was there for about three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Um, taking people on horseback safari to the Masai Mara. And it's just an amazing experience because you are, this is true safari. And when I say true safari, what I mean is you're out there in mobile tented camp. They're incredible tents. They're stand up. You have carpet on the floor. You have a sheep, uh, a cow skin on the floor. I had a double bed. Um, and you're served coffee in your tent every morning with a cookie. So you wake up to the sound of the birds or the hippos, if we're on the Hippo River, on the Mara River, and they go, Jumbo, coffee or tea, and they bring you coffee or tea to your tent. It's mm-hmm. the best. <laughs> so um, the company I go with is, uh, th- they've been doing this since 1971, and Gordy's dad started it. And so it is horseback safari, and you're, like I said, mobile tented camp, and we did three camps and so the crew completely breaks down camp, moves it, and sets it up. So all you leave is some ashes from the fire, and then you're in a totally new camp, and you ride to that next camp. And we stop for a couple hours at lunch so that they can get set up. But that is what safari is supposed to be like. Safari is supposed to be really on the land, and you're with your crew. So there's about 20, I don't know, 23 crew that to the 10 guests that we had. And um, they're like our family. Like when I go back, they're like family. Some of them are second and third generation crew for for my company. And um, and they're just so amazing because the, the food, like, okay, I got to talk about the food because it's so incredible. Like focaccia and warm bread every day and soups and whipped cream and yogurt and um, um, uh, eggs benedict. And, um, yeah, so we eat super well. Okay. Nobody loses weight on safari, but the the reason we're there is to see the game and the game has, is, is so incredible right now because of COVID. So what's happened is because there aren't so many people out there, um, the game has proliferated. So we saw lion every single day. So every single day of safari, we saw lion and we saw cheetah i saw three sets of cheetah one two with three cubs each about a month apart and then another cheetah with two little cubs they were little bitty things and we followed them and we saw elephants like 80 elephants and a herd and um hippo and you name it um and and leopard we actually saw a leopard and that was okay so this might make some people squeamish but it's really seeing a leopard is so incredibly rare and we watched this leopard and she climbed up into a tree and she was looking, we were in the vehicle at this point, and she was looking down and this warthog came out of its hole and left its hole and the leopard went and, and had lunch and ate the babies. And we watched her hunt and it was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. I mean, 
the thing about Africa when you go there in this kind of environment where you're camping is, well, glamping, um, is that everything becomes so simple in terms of your, you, you know, I mean, everything's taken care of. They do your laundry even. They polish my boots every day. So, you know, what you, you just become part of the land and part of the environment. And the elephants come right up to the vehicle. Like, we watch these elephants get into this mud hole and wallow around and take a mud bath and tussle with each other and kind of the matriarch complain because somebody was in the mud hole. And we were literally 20 feet away watching the whole thing. They were so relaxed. So you're really, really in nature, a part of nature. I think that's a, it's such a special experience. Yeah. And, and like I said, things get really simple, you know, like all your cares and worries back home, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And it's the, it's 12, 12 light. So the sun comes up at, at about, you know, six o'clock and it goes away at six o'clock. You have a tiny little bit of dawn and dusk, like tiny, um, because it's, we're so close to the equator. And that's the one thing people underestimate. Like we try to explain to them that the equator sun is really different, even from like Arizona sun. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the MacGyver of the trip because that's why people come with me. And like, if you forgot your bug spray or you forgot your zinc oxide for your lips or you forgot, or you need, you know, I, I have kinesio tape. I have, I have all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you've got been it there, done it. Yeah, yeah, you've been there, done it. You know what to yep. do. Yep. So I'm kind of like making sure my guests, you know, have a, have a really good experience and try to mitigate any kind of dramas that they might have. And um, and the horses are amazing. So our company that outfits us, they've uh, really improved their horses, and they've gotten uh, a lot of Frisian Boaped cross. So Boaped is a South African horse. Um, that's super sturdy, really great feet, and they've crossed it with Frisian, so they have these really nice, sturdy horses because, you know, people uh, have gotten a little bigger, um, and so they just needed some bigger horses. But they've also got a quarter horse. They have a Palomino quarter horse now and two Appaloosas, which is really amazing. Oh, um, so they're constantly upgrading their herd, and um, I rode Rago, and he just carries himself like a dressage horse. He just has this natural neck carriage. He's a Boaped Frisian cross, and he's just delightful. Um, and then I seen him with the other horse. She was a Percheron Frisian cross, and she is the queen of the Mara. She just, <laughs> you know, like, I, <laughs> I'm going to be doing a webinar on Wednesday, hopefully. Um, so if people want to see pictures of safari and everything uh, i'll be doing a webinar on that we'll get it posted and of course it'll always be on the surefoot equine youtube channel afterwards so people can see the horses and see the game and get a, an idea of the camps because we're going back next year we're going back in september 2022 because we're supposed to go every year on the even numbered years and this year we went because we had to move it from 2020 2020 yeah yeah so, 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 so 2022 will be a re return to normal and then 2023 you won't go in and so on and so forth. Correct. Yeah, because Equitana is supposed to be in the odd number of years, but now Equitana has moved to the even number of years. So they're going to be in <laughs> April. So I just can't seem to get these separated, but hopefully things will return to some normal schedule and, and this, this will work out because I Hopefully, well, yeah. I mean, you got home from Africa, and then and you're atten attending, you know, different things in the U.S. again, and and doing your tours. So your slow time, you know, you better have taken advantage <laughs> of it. Organize your office, or, or you know, whatever it is you were doing, because now you're on the go again. Yeah, because literally, I my husband Brad left for RRP Retired Racehorse Project because we had a a vendor booth there. 
And he left before I got home and I arrived home and took a couple of days to get over jet lag, which was pretty bad this time. And um, then hopped in the car and drove to Lexington for the ti- retired racehorse project. And Reese came to see my booth, Reese. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so fun. I know it was, it was great. I, I actually had been out of town myself, but I was able to get back on Sunday and to see you and see the booth. And I got to see the hay soaker in person. That is uh, really cool. <laughs> That is so really cool. I'm like, it. wow, I was because I'm the one that's soaking hay all the time and it's so annoying. So yeah. I was like, I want to see this thing in person. And it was wonderful. Yep. And we were, we were hoping to actually be able to run water through it, but we ran into a problem with the, the, the setup for the pump to actually make it run. So, but that's our plan is when we go, we're going to be going to equine affair in Massachusetts and we're going to have it. So people can actually see how it works. Cause it, you know, you just hit the button and it fills and hit the button and it drains, or you can set it up on your on your phone with a Bluetooth timer, which you can program so it'll automatically fill and drain. So when you walk into the barn in the morning, your hay's already soaked and you can decide how long you want to soak it and when you want it ready. It's so cool. It's yeah. so cool. I love it. And then you were also doing, because you're available for clinics, right? You were off to Otterbein to do a demo. So you have been all over, girl. I have. Otterbein University, Bruce Mandeville's there. And I met him at Equine Affair in Ohio about four years ago. I think it's four years ago. Anyway, he invited me to come and do a Surefoot demo because they've had Surefoot pads. And I saw their pads. I took a picture. They're absolutely perfect. Um, and they've been using them regularly with their school horses. And so I did a little Surefoot demo and put all the kids through the balance trail. And uh, um, and then I did a, a, a Zoom-type meeting for his class on just business. And, you know, because... I've been in this business a long time with some ups and downs. Um, and the kids were really fun. They asked me some great questions. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed uh, doing that lecture, you know, lecture. Yeah. Form. And you never really know as, as someone who teaches college, you always, you know, hope they're, you know, not napping uh, and that right. they're listening, but you're so, you're so engaging that they shouldn't be <laughs> napping. So, no, they weren't I napping. <laughs> I, I think they were stunned. Like, who, who is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> this is this lady with all this energy and and yeah, and you know, go, and crazy go get attitude. Oh yeah, about, oh, I you love know, it. things that work and things that don't work. Yeah, and you just keep going. You know, yes, just keep going. I love it. Well, Wendy, tell us where can everybody find you online? They can find your webinars. Give us uh, give us all the stuff. So you can find all the recorded webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. We're going to be putting out an email on, we put it out every Sunday. Now that I'm back, I'm going to pick up on the webinars again. So we took kind of two months off because I was gone. Um, so if they go to the MurdochMethod.com website and sign up for the email, then on every Sunday, I send out the email for the webinars. We got some great guests coming up. We got Jillian Kreinbring and um, Nashawn Cook, and um, I'm going to do one on safari. So we're going to have great pictures. And with one of the guests that we had who absolutely was over the moon, couldn't wait to go back. She's already trying to figure out how to get back there. Um, so they can find all that on murdochmethod.com. And of course, on Facebook, Murdoch Method and Surefoot Equine is where you can find me on Facebook. Fantastic. Well, I, I want to go to the webinar because I want to go back to Africa. It's I have not gone with you and, and your trip sounds absolutely amazing. It's like on my bucket list. So I love it. I want to come and see all the pictures. So awesome, as always, yeah. Wendy, thank you so much. And we look forward to next month. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to you again. It's always fun. Really enjoy you guys. And, uh, and yeah, we'll just keep on going and see what adventures I get up to next. <laughs> love it. Love it. 
Well, Phil, this week, again, we've been working on cleaning some saddles. We had to, we've had some rainy days. So um, we've been pulling the saddles out. And, you know, I always like to also check the saddles this time of year, a couple times a year, just go through them. And our stability stirrup leathers are looking great. I'm really yeah. excited about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My saddle, like I said earlier, my saddle fitter was uh, with us today. And, and um, you know, we were talking about the, the, total saddle fit stability stirrup leathers and she's you know we were just chatting about them and i just you know was was uh recommending them to her or you know to all the people that she sees and, was, and she's like oh do you like them and i was i was like absolutely they are the most comfortable um stirrup leathers that you can find that you can buy anywhere so you know we really recommend the products and and we were also talking about their other thing like their girths you know she she goes over everything and and one of the horses she was recommending you know, a shim pad. And then I said, well, I got one of those too. And then, you know, we pulled out the total saddle fit, um, shimmable half pad and she, Oh, that's great. You know? And so, uh, you know, the word is out about, you know, all these products that are coming from total saddle fit and, and we love them. And, uh, and the saddle fitters, you know, I think we'll be recommending them because, you know, they're just great products. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, everybody, you can find them at totalsaddlefit.com and Justin and his team will take good care of you. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we are so happy to have Nancy Later of Carousel Coaching, FEI rider and trainer on the show. Nancy, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We are happy to have you. So tell us, what is your trainer tip of the week for everybody? I think I would really like to talk about controlling your state. So one thing that we don't realize is how much we can control the energy that we bring to our riding, to our lessons, even to the horse show with really easy steps. So the first couple that we forget when we get into these situations is eating and drinking. So staying hydrated is one of the most important things actually for your emotional state and for your confidence, because when you feel strong and good, you're going to be able to be more confident. You're going to feel better about yourself. For me, eating that requires, right... uh, requires a cup of coffee. <laughs> One in the morning, one at noon, and one in okay. the afternoon. And if I don't okay. get my cup of coffee, I can't ride or teach or anything. Okay, so we uh, have grumpy Phil. That's not that, grumpy that, Phil. <laughs> but what you have to realize is that coffee does dehydrate you. So even though it has water in it, it is not helping you with hydration. So have a glass of water with your coffee, and that'll make you less grumpy, with- Phil. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think this is right, Nancy. Cause I, I, you know, I started doing this. Um, I, I, again, was working on fitness and I noticed same thing. Like I would drink coffee. I would maybe, you know, I, I just wasn't actually drinking enough water and, and it's actually, when you really hydrate, it's actually hard to do it initially. Cause yes. you're, yes. yeah, it's hard, right? It's, it is, it's hard to think about it. 
And what I'm finding, because I'm really working hard on this, is I, you know, I'm a fanatic about the horses having water. I'm, I'm absolutely crazed about it, right? The buckets have to be clean out in the paddock. They have to be filled all the time. If the kids are filling up the water buckets three times a day, I mean, the horses cannot be without a water bucket for five seconds. So what is the matter mm-hmm. with us that we don't take care of ourselves the same way? You know, if your horse is dehydrated, it can't perform. We know that. So why do we look at ourselves differently? And that it just not, uh, and your brain really needs to be hydrated. So that I think hydration, eating, be careful what you eat before you ride. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is important to, you know, give yourself something that, that you can utilize, but we know that we shouldn't be eating sugary snacks and these kind of things. They're just going to deplete your energy, which is in turn going to make you feel like you can't do stuff. I think that exercise is important and stretching show up after doing a little stretching because I find it hysterical that people think that when they get on the horse, that their posture can be in such a way when they can't even do those things on the ground without the horse. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, we don't open up our hip flexors. We're not able, I mean, my quadriceps are, I just have to go after them all the time. They're very tense. And if I'm not stretching them, my, the first horse of the day every morning is, is suffering a little bit with me. So we need to do, to control these things outside of our work, you know, before we get on. And mm-hmm. I, I think that your, your riding will, you'll feel much more success in every ride and you'll also have more fun with it. I if totally had, agree. Yeah. I mean, have, I think this is, we're not good about it. Are we as riders? It's not, we're so good about controlling the horse's diet and then how much water they have and how much hay they have. And, you know, it's like to the T and then no shade on a donut, but somebody will go eat a donut and you're like, <laughs> I like donuts. what? Yeah. I don't actually <laughs> like donuts. So it's, I, I use a donut cause I, I think I ate too much, too many as a horse show kid. Like I, I don't like donuts. So, but you know, like they don't, I don't like them now cause they don't actually make me feel good. So I like have, right, have done good. the grown up correlation of don't eat a donut. So, because I'm like, wow, it doesn't make me feel very good, but it's true. It, you know, if you don't eat and I struggle with that, if I have an early morning, uh, this summer I showed everything was before eight o'clock. So it was super early and I'm not, yeah, it was really early. And so it was difficult. And and I just got some protein shakes and I just like Mm kind of had to force it down, but at least I had a little something in there and my, my brain worked better and my body worked better. So I completely understand what you're saying. And I think, you know, as we're going into sort of the, the final season championship regionals, et cetera, you know, just remembering that and having the other thing is just having it available, put it in your cooler, put it, you know, put it in your car so that you have some good snacks, um, Absolutely. some healthy snacks because with you. The things mm-hmm. that are easily accessible are not always good for you. So mm-hmm. definitely if you plan and when you plan ahead and you've really got it there, it gives you less incentive to go looking for something this bad yeah. for you. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. So I think this is such a great tip and just a good reminder for everybody. Um, so Nancy, I love it. So how can people find more tips and more information about you? 
Uh, it's kind of fun, actually. I think we have some carousel quick tips going out on YouTube. Um, I don't know that they're out there yet, but they, they, they will be. And then you just go to uh, carouselcoaching.com and you can find me there and a little bit of this um, positive mindset coaching, some packages that we're offering, some of my webinars that uh, have been uh, recorded if people want to get an idea of what I'm doing. And then we'll have more webinars coming out uh, that people can join in different subjects over the winter. I, I plan to be doing more of it. So just okay. uh, get on the email list or send me an email at nancylaterdressoshorses at gmail.com so that I know that you're interested in what we're putting out. Fantastic. Well, Nancy, thanks so much. And we look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. Well, as always, Phil, we love it when listeners write us emails. I got the sweetest email from Sarah. She was telling me about her horse, Sammy, um, whose show name is Come Sail Away. And she told me her whole story, which was amazing. She got this horse here in Kentucky and he, he was started and he's been traveling with her while she's been in graduate school and she got her silver medal on him this spring. And then she also competed at the regional championships and, um, always come say hi to us. She said, she said she didn't, um, she saw us, but she didn't, we didn't get to connect. So uh, I'm bummed. I didn't get to meet her in person. Phil and I always love it when you guys come and talk to us, but I just really loved, she was very cute and said she enjoys the show and she wanted to reiterate and be thankful for the remarks that we make that our, this sport is hard and doing it right takes time. So I thought that was really sweet of her. And, uh, so we wanted to send her a shout out, Sarah and Sammy, congratulations. And we're glad you listen to the show and enjoy it. Um, and next time I can't wait to meet you at the competition. So we also don't forget our book club of the month. This one's really good. Horse plus rider equals one, how to achieve the fluid dialogue that leads to harmonious performance. And it's by Eckert Miners. And you can get it at horseandriderbooks.com. We're always thankful for their support. And uh, they have great books. And we're glad we get to bring them to you. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, Total Saddle Fit, and the Murdoch Method. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 